With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. You think you like football? Brett Favre doesn't just like football. He loves football. All right, here we go. They're going to jump right here. You know they're going to jump. Everybody hold your water. Green, right. Slot. 98 handoff slot on three. Ready? Balls, balls, balls. Balls, balls, balls. Balls. Green 18. Green 18. Ten. Football. Football. Yeah. 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 Gotta eat. <laughs> that clip never ceases to make me laugh. Just Brett Favre yelling balls. balls Is there balls, a more balls. football clip than just Brett no. just calling out a snap count? That might be the most football clip that that we have, just because you you can feel the intensity as they as he approaches the line of scrimmage. Hold your water, boys. Hold your water. Hold, Hold your, your balls, water. Balls, balls. <laughs> All right, this is Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die, and we reject five hundred football. Okay, they might have to play some five hundred football this year, just based on the way that they're kind of running it back. But we'll see. We'll see what the new coaching staff can do. The show is presented by Surly Brewing Company and also by TCL, one of the world's best-selling consumer electronics brands. They have a new lineup of award-winning TVs delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution, all at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. And gentlemen, the NFL owners' meetings are taking place in Florida right now. Football. Where all the owners and the coaches and people in front offices put on their little flower pattern shirts they go golfing, they drink cocktails, they uh, they have breakfast, hangover breakfast with reporters. Judd's been at that table a few times back yes, in the day. Yes, I have, yes. Larry, Who were the coaches that you had breakfast with, Brad Childress? Uh, yeah, Childress uh, in Florida, and then actually Les Frazier. It, it was, the last one I covered was the owners' meetings in New Orleans before they drafted Christian Ponder. Okay. And... Les Frazier was trying to get and eventually got, much to his chagrin, Donovan McNabb as his quarterback. He got all of Donovan McNabb and we're all coming. of Donovan's Burger King, we're coming. fast food spots. Kentucky Fried Chicken, we're coming. <laughs> Danny's. So this is uh, every single, you know, I guess it would be the, the Tuesday morning of the owners' meetings week. All the different coaches sit down for breakfast, and it's just all on the record. It's just it's the coaches' breakfast. It's a, it's a, it's a time to sit down and – ask questions to Kevin O'Connell. And so um, we've got a list of like 
eight or nine things here that we'll kind of just go through thing by thing. Some really interesting things that Kevin O'Connell was asked and and his answers here. Before we dive into this, though, what is the most interesting thing Brad Childress ever said at the the breakfast back in the day? Besides, did he ever like spill any news? You take shots at anybody? Let's see. That was after. So that was after the NFC. I think we asked a ton of questions about Favre's return, which clearly didn't come until the next training camp. Yeah. Uh, but I think Favre and uh, if Favre was going to c- come back, and I think if I, if I'm not mistaken, around that time, Favre had put out the pictures of how abused he had been in the Saints game. So I think the majority of questions at that one were uh, were about Brett. Yeah. His battered ankle. His leg was like, it looked like a a piece of meat, right? Like it was disgusting. It was bad. It was bad. So let's go through some of the topics that Kevin O'Connell dove into today and and answered questions about starting. And these recaps are coming from uh, beat writers Ben Gessling from the Star Tribune and Chad Graff from The Athletic. So this one's from Ben. One takeaway from Kevin O'Connell's media session at the NFL meetings, he's really excited about the Daniil Hunter is a Darius Smith combo and how the Vikings can move them around to create favorable matchups. Quote, that's why we've got Mike Pettin, Mike Smith, and Chris Rumpf. These guys have been in places where we don't have to just always line up with our hand in the ground at the defensive end spots, rushing the passer on a straight line. That's where scheme comes into play. We can move those guys. They are movable pieces, both Daniil and and Zadarius. That is football porn to my ears, boys. Moving those two elite when healthy chess pieces around. Little 3-4. Hand in the door. Maybe not. I don't know. Daniel, I want you to go right while Zadarius goes left. And then then we're going to run a stunt. And when we run that stunt, I want you to cut towards the A-gap. You put that hand on the ground, baby. You get ready to rock. I am. Oh my God! If they do like like we've talked about that, and in Zimmer's defense, a little bit, I want to say Daniil did move around a little bit last season before he got got hurt. Not maybe a ton, but he did. But yeah, the the ability to be dare I say it multiple on defense, multiple football. If you can be multiple, you know, because the three four can morph into a four three can morph into. I mean, there's so many things that you can potentially do here. Could be a two five, could be a five two. You know, there's different ways, different ways to do it. Ed Donatel, Mike Pettin. I mean, that's a lot of football experience. That's not even including Chris Rump. How about a six one? How about a seven zero? Oh? You don't know what we're gonna throw at you. But I love the way they're thinking about this. You know, yes. let's bring these guys in. We're gonna we're gonna be multiple with our looks. Obviously, you have to cross your fingers on health, but I, I think all of us have to be pleasantly surprised that as we sit here on March 29th, Daniil Hunter's situation is at least cleared up for another year. Sounds like he's in. I mean, him and Zadarius have already been talking, and he, you know he got the signing bonus. It doesn't sound. I mean, he's in. I shouldn't say it. there's no ambiguity. Like he's, he's in. got money. Yeah. Yep. And and Zadarius Smith is something that no one really saw coming. I mean, he was a Packer right. up until three weeks ago. So, you know, right off the bat. And then, and now a guy like DJ Wanham becomes depth. You know, I think when you start to look at Wanham as a starter, but Wanham as a guy for 300 snaps instead of 800 snaps, now he's a good depth player. So I, yeah, this is, this is music to my ears defensively. So hopefully those guys stay healthy. Daniil being potentially turned loose to me, because I think that guy is unbelievably talented. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think he's like, well, this is what he does well. No, I think he does a lot well. Um, and he can be a complete freak. So I, I cannot wait to see him turn loose. And how much more effective, too, does he become because you've got to worry about and vice versa, right? I mean, it's kind of, I mean, there are seasons where Ray Edwards would go for like eight or nine sacks or have big games because, you know, opposing offenses had to worry about the Williams wall and Hall of Famer at some point, Jared Allen. Yep. So what kind of, and again, that was a four, three different type of defense, more of a Tampa two defense, but how can those guys free each other up? Could they, could those guys and the attention you have to pay to them create interior pressure that of course maybe they wouldn't could. Ex- exist well, and, before? And can you occasionally bring Hunter inside? Because he can play inside. Like, make no mistake. In 2022, he can play inside. And and then we're also t- talking about some potential zone blitz concepts too, dude. Where you don't know who's coming, and and you drop and you drop one of those two back into coverage, but you bring a linebacker. I'm here. I for mean, it. you've got l- endless possibilities. The personalities they have too. So Zadarius is a personality. Harrison oh. Phillips seems like a personality. Daniel's not really like Daniel. Just lets his elite play speak for itself. He's a, but yeah, he's a quiet guy, at least publicly. He's just kind of kind of a football serial killer. He's just, you know, roaming around. So um so that's that's some interesting stuff right there. Um to add to that, Kevin uh from Chad Graff here, Kevin O'Connell said he isn't worried about Hunter dropping into coverage occasionally in a three four base defense, quote, with his length, his athletic ability, it's almost as much about taking up space on the second level of the defense as it is matching people in coverage. So he's just like an athletic sort of lanky guy, right? Now, for a while, I always thought, what's he's one of the best edge rushers in the NFL. Why would you want to waste any snaps on anything other than him just getting after the quarterback? Why would right. you even for five snaps drop him back into coverage? Mm-hmm. But if dropping him back into coverage throws the quarterback for a loop because what what is he doing and it makes you think for an extra split second about what might be happening, then maybe there is a strategy here. I mean, in general, just let that dude go after the quarterback, but I'm willing to let this play out and see right. what they can do creatively. But they're also going to change the concepts a, a bit. Like, I agree with you completely on a 4-3, but a 3-4 is the more confusion that you create, the better. Here's my question. Total question, too. I'm this is not a statement. Daniil Hunter, if he drops back occasionally on a zone blitz into coverage and ends up on a tight end, because, I mean, this guy's a freak. Just to be clear, he is a freak. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much trouble he could cause because I think he could keep up with a tight end. Well, I think it I mean, I think it depends on I would do quickly, this a lot, by the way. How quickly is your blitz getting home, right? Like, do I want Daniil Hunter covering a tight end 20 yards down the field? Probably. Oh, yeah, not all the time. No, right, right. But, but, I'm but, just can, saying... but can he manage and hold his own for two seconds just for, like, a couple beats while the blitz gets home? Let's just, yeah. say, he's, let's just say he strikes me as a guy that could be a little bit of a ball hawk once in a while. Oh, my God. Football. Let's just Daniel say Hunter, he, that, bi- that big paw you think he can't catch? You think he can't catch a pass? Intercepting a Do pass. Do you think now, that young man can't catch a pass? I will say, like, rank the Vikings defenders – in order, if they do intercept a pass, how impossible are they to tackle? He's number one, right? <laughs> I imagine that dude, big catch. paw reaching up into the sky. Uh, oh, and, and I bet blitz. he's got some. I bet my little form to it. Yeah. Uh, so that's that'll be interesting. I mean, they're trying to create the illusion of complexity, right? So dropping Daniel Hunter back into coverage could be, hey, we're gonna 
little smoke and mirrors here. Um, what else here? Now I'm excited for the season. Kevin O'Connell on determining when to go for two and what to do on fourth down. Quote, the analytics and the data will drive a lot of this, which is interesting. But then the in-game specifics of that day, right? The weather, who's that quarterback on the other side? How have we played offensively? How's our defense doing? But the fact that they're going to lead with what does the data say? Okay, what percentage of the time are are we converting on this play? Or based on just the game management side of it, right? We're down by 10. There's seven minutes left. It's fourth and seven at our own 32-yard line. Probably can't punt, right? Lean on the analytics. So what do you think of analytics driving more decisions with the on-field coaching staff. The Vikings front office, to their credit, under Rick Spielman, they were very analytics-friendly in the last five or ten years or so. Right. How much of that information was being absorbed and then utilized by Mike Zimmer and his coaching? Mike Zimmer was pretty aggressive on fourth down. Yeah. But my beef with him was always he was so clueless on, like, him and then the coaches that he would hire on what play calls to run on second and short. Like, they – they were one of the most right. run-heavy teams on second and short, which is a wide-open playbook play. You can like you can make big plays on second and short because anything's possible, right? And they would always lean, percentage-wise, more toward running the ball than most teams in the NFL. So I like using analytics as a base here and then use your artistic creativity and what's happening in the game to make the final decision. What do you guys think? I like this a lot. And, and so in-game, I think the second down play calls will change. Um, I think that Zimmer probably takes too much heat for not – not uh, um, using some of the data in-game. I think he probably did. I think the bigger problem went to the off-game off day stuff. Like, we know he practiced the, these guys hard late in the season at times. Yeah. And, and the Vikings people said, the numbers show, everything shows, you shouldn't. And he's like, I don't care. Yeah. So I, I actually think O'Connell is going to bring in new age thinking that we might not see as much of, but mm-hmm. is going to be, um, I guess in the best term to use is not detrimental because in my opinion, practicing a team in December hard is detrimental mm-hmm. and go, go back to, to the, the week that they were preparing for the San Francisco playoff game when Thielen damn near tore his Achilles and got hurt. That was ridiculous. Why are you doing that? Like, like, what are you, you should be doing like walkthroughs and stuff, not going full speed. So I think what we're talking about a little bit is going to be behind the scene stuff. Uh, but I'll go back to what I said on Mackie and Judd. That's my favorite thing. I think the in-game manager helping O'Connell on decisions is huge because I think the worst thing is, and and Zimmer was victim to this a lot, and P.J. Fleck is, the head coach has so much going through his mind. Like he's managing so many variables that to have to be like on a challenge, make a snap decision at times or on, on just several clock things, timeouts. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the most influential thing is not just to go with what the numbers say, but to go with what a person who is, this might sound weird disassociated from the intensity of the moment say yeah. uh so i so i really like and think it's long overdue that the vikings are trending towards a person that can help the coach manage the game itself i really want the head coach to be a game theory master above all else 
And I'm, I'm going to read you another quote here, and then we, and I'll sort of respond to what you just said. So this is from Ben Gasling. Kevin O'Connell added, there may be some weeks where he turns the offense over to Wes Phillips during the week in terms of, I think he's talking about preparation, not play calling. And I'll go be a defensive coach that week, he said. That's the good part about being a head coach now. You can be in different rooms when you want, and nobody can say anything to you. So oh, interesting. I get that it makes sense for him to call plays offensively, and I think having just having your finger on that pulse and driving that strategy, especially when you, when you have a quarterback like Kirk that's more comfortable just sort of being told what to do. Kirk's not a Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, run the whole show, so he does need that person kind of you know, in the catbird seat with him. But – I think you need to be a master at the 30,000 foot on game day. And that might include touching on the defense, touching on the offense, touching on something special teams while thinking about timeout management. Okay, the clock is here. The score is this. So we need to be doing this. Hey, we got to get this playoff in this time. You know, like all of that stuff. I think it's, especially as a first year coach, it's really hard to be thinking on that 30,000 foot level and be a master at game strategy when you're trying to figure out what's the next play, what's the next play, what's the next play. So I'm torn here because he is the probably the most, even though he hasn't had a ton of experience calling plays, like this is all his vision coming from the Sean McVay offense, and so does Wes Phillips. But I think long-term, calling plays seems like a detriment for a lot of coaches, even though you know they might not realize it, so... I'm curious to see how this plays out. I would love if he could just like delegate some of that stuff so that he's more of a 30,000-foot guy, uh, but he's going to call the plays, so we'll see what happens. You know, Coaches fail so much. Right. P.J. Fleck, Mike Zimmer, I mean, at how to manage the clock, how to – I mean, that's part of the reason, too. I mean, Kirk Cousins hasn't been great at this in, in his Vikings career. You know, part of the reason why defenses scored points at the end of the first half was because the defense was bad, but also because the offense – didn't do a good job managing the clock to make sure they got the last possession and didn't punt yep. with 45 seconds left, right? Yes. And and for a coach that calls offensive plays, which I think quite a few do now, the other thing to me that becomes imperative, and we'll find this out at some point, it'll take a little bit of time, but what's the relationship truly like between coach and quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Like you need a quarterback who's thinking along your lines, who anticipates things. I don't think the the relationship can be super successful if I am just calling plays in. The Goff-McVay one, right? The first year, we, we know for a fact that McVay was diagnosing and calling plays in until the clock or in, until the headpiece in Goff's ear shut off. At like 15, whatever. That, ain't, I, that ain't ideal. That ain't ideal. I need a quarterback who is like, oh, yeah, 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 okay, and can take it. Um, and that's, I guess that's my question about Kirk. Because are you going to have to prop Kirk up, or is Kirk going to, to, to say, I'm thinking along the exact sa- same lines, I can take control? Yep. If you got that, it's huge. If you don't, I think it becomes difficult. And the good news there is Kirk and Kevin O'Connell have probably already talked. I'm not reporting this. I'm saying they've probably already talked more in the last two months than Zimmer and Kirk talked sure. in the last two years. Right. Yep. yep. So well, they're, like, they're going to yeah. have a better feel for each other just times a hundred going into the regular season than Mike Zimmer and Kirk cousins ever did. I'm, I'm well, Mike Zimmer and Kirk cousins had a good feel for each other. They didn't like each other <laughs> and right. Zimmer Zimmer didn't like to. Well, and Mike was going to fix that defense and that was Mike's goal in life. So, yep. you know, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, 
some other interesting things here, too. But, you know, I think if Kevin O'Connell were to uh, speak on behalf of the best beer in the Twin Cities and beyond, he probably he didn't you know, he didn't get the chance today, but he probably would have lauded Surly is my guess. That's exactly right. And do you know who comes into my office in which I sit right now each and every day for a nice conversation, a conversation where we go through what makes a beer special? My good friend, always by my side. Surly Furious, the best IPA in town. This is the quarterback. Like, the Surly Brewing family is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. The variety pack is great. I love it. But if there's a quarterback, let's, you know, let's call a spade a spade. It is the Furious IPA. Surly, whenever you need that thirst-quenching, delicious beer that is never going to let you down as your number one draft choice, it's Surly. Also, if you're a business owner out there talking about not wanting to get let down, that's where Federated comes in. Federated has over 100 years of experience in helping to maximize businesses, just like a great offensive line would for your offense and for your quarterback. And uh, they're not just doling out policies, you know, of just left and right. They are specializing in specific core industries that they know and understand. And uh, they put their own employees through months of training so that they can know those subject matters and industries front and back to help your business federatedinsurance.com and remember at federated it's our business to protect yours okay back to kevin o'connell so we did a much deeper dive on the offensive line aspect on Mackie and judd today so and we'll talk obviously throughout the offseason about the offensive line too but uh he said there's going to be an open competition at right guard for the vikings sound familiar i think we're pretty used to that year in and year out here for about 10 years New signee Jesse Davis may be the front runner, according to Chad Graff, but he's not being handed the job. O'Connell said, quote, there's plenty of coaches in this room right now who are talking about two or three or four spots on the offensive line coming together, while the Vikings have one open job right now at right guard. So Jesse Davis, he, the Dolphins' offensive line was a disaster last year. He was their starting right tackle for the majority of the season. He also played some guard. Um, among 215 qualified offensive linemen last year in the NFL across all positions, he had the fourth most pressures allowed. It was bad. Mostly at tackle. He's been better at guard than at tackle in his career, but he's not great at guard. He's a veteran. He's got some experience with the Vikings coaching staff here. And, um, you know, I think the hope is that you put him with Wyatt Davis, with Ole Udo, and this coaching staff can, I mean, but again, sound familiar. So what are your thoughts here as they go into another right guard open competition offseason? Just play the Spielman chuckle, and uh, those are my thoughts right now. (laughs) Sound familiar? (laughs) Yes, it does sound familiar, Phil Mackey. Um, I guess the second thing that I would say to piggyback off what O'Connell said about right guard is I'm not so sure that the center position is as set as they think. Like, we'll see, but – they could still sign. I mean, here's yeah. my, J, my J.C. J.C. Treader. J.C. Treader, hold on a second. Let's ring the surly ding the surly bell. J.C. Treader. Yeah. Um, okay. Just of all, I, I guess of all the all the areas that I thought they would upgrade a little bit more. Like if defensively, there were certainly a few. I thought that there would be more changes. I guess my biggest surprise is that the offensive line. I thought you'd have a new center or a for sure right guard. And it seems like we're going back to the old well here. So this does surprise me a, a little bit, at least. It is so interesting the way that they're looking at this. Now, on the flip side, you know, this is a 
a smack in the face for the cap is fake people because the Vikings are staring at a very okay. obvious upgrade or you know situation in need of an upgrade. The offensive line. I mean, we talked about this on Mackie and Judd, so go check out the the full you know twenty minute conversation. But they clearly need help with some of these positions, center and right guard. And there are options. There have been options out there, right? Yeah. Jesse Davis signed a one year, two million dollar contract. Brandon Scherf signed a seventeen million dollar a year contract. Brandon Scherf's one of the five best right guards in the NFL. If the cap was fake or a myth or non existent. Why would you fix a problem with a guy who's been a problem as opposed to just going and getting Brandon Scherf? Because you don't have enough money to do it. Well, that's that's why they're settling for Jesse Davis. And that's why I thought that they might take away a veteran player or two to bring to get give them some cap space to address this. Because to me, this is a one of the things that clearly affects Kirk. Yeah. And I thought we were trying to do everything possible um, to make Kirk successful. I would say not addressing the center or right guard is surprising then. Yeah, I'm not that's... upset by it because I'm not, I, again, the, the most important thing from my end is I am not invested in 22. Like, it's going to play out. But if you are trying to win, and it's very clear to me that they are, I thought that you would take away from another veteran or two from the cap to go and, and if not uh, Scherf, to at least upgrade substantially. I'm sorry, Jesse Davis, not a substantial upgrade. Yep. So we'll see. You know, he's he's a veteran. He's been around. And like I said, he's he's better, according to Pro Football Focus, at right guard. He's played everywhere but center, basically, in the NFL. So, like, he's a if he winds up being a backup, he can, he can play any position. So you do need guys like that on the team. Um, but when I say that he's been better at right guard, according to Pro Football Focus, he's still not good. He's been better than Ole Udo, which it's a step. All right? It's a step. Yeah. So uh, Chad Graff adds here, here's what Kevin O'Connell said when asked about the lack of changes from a Vikings roster that missed the playoffs the last two seasons. Quote, although sometimes things may not jump out as changing the roster, we've made some additions, and I think they will have a big-time impact. The follow-up here was, hey, the view is that that the offseason hasn't changed a whole lot. This team hasn't made the playoffs in two years. I'll even add they haven't been above 500 in 800 days. And Kevin O'Connell said, quote, I don't really look at it like that, to be honest with you. So um, I think he sees a lot of opportunity. I think he probably sees candidly, he's not going to go on the record and say this, the things that Mike Zimmer was doing poorly as a communicator and the things that he was lacking as an offensive guy and says, let's make some changes, do what we can, and uh, it'll be on me and my coaching staff to maximize this thing even more. So That's got to be it, right? And and to a certain degree, I can see that. I just, I think it's a lot to count on. I think it's a lot to, and, and this also goes back to why I thought that you would substantially try and upgrade at guard or center to maximize the quarterback's capabilities. I don't know the coaching can fix the quarterback completely, but yeah, I don't what know. Are, what I, are the things that coaching can can not most definitely fix, but like, what are the things that you're most optimistic that coaching can fix? Well, the offense will be, needs to be, and can be, no questions asked, more dynamic consistently. The scripted plays should be the entire game. Um, there are going to be series that don't work. I totally get that. 
But those scripted plays shouldn't just end after 15 or 12. And You're then saying be like, script more plays? or No, no, no. I'm saying the scripted. I'm saying the success that they had on scripted plays in 2021 should translate to consistent success that doesn't have to be scripted. Yeah. That, that offense was not well run. That offense had dynamic players, but it was poorly run. Um, the defense got stale. I don't understand, and and to me it became a mystery. How could you be so bad against the run with that much beef? Like you had two defensive tackles, huge beef up there, and they didn't suck. I mean, th- those guys weren't terrible players, and you got gashed, and you got gouged, and it was embarrassing at, at times. So I think that there are fixes that can be made. Um, now, can you turn it in, into a team that can make a playoff run? In my opinion, probably not. Yeah, I think the Vikings were 14th in points per game last year. Let that sink in for a second. Right. Look at the some of the individual the individual numbers didn't for for Kirk for Justin Jefferson, right. Dalvin Cook. You know when he was healthy, it didn't equate to team success and points. You know, and and you can put up a lot of numbers between the twenties, but but are are you punching in when you need to? Are it's you, why yards. I don't count yards. It's yeah. I mean, they were at the end of the day, you need to score points. That is your goal offensively, and Correct. they were fourteenth in the NFL in in Correct. points per game, and I think that should jump with better coaching. Maybe coaching can can squeeze more out of Garrett Bradbury, and can. I mean, this is all wishful thinking, but. They need to be a top 10 scoring offense. They've got enough weapons, and Kirk Cousins is good enough. They should be a top 10 scoring offense. I'll give you a poster child game that that is talked about a lot, but in my opinion, it's talked about in the wrong context. The Cardinals' loss, which is, well, I mean, if, if Joseph makes that kick, that game never should have been that close. The defense disappointed them, but guess what else? I believe it was on, was it the second play of that entire game? You hit K.J. Osborne deep on a beautiful play. Great play call, right? And then it sort of disappeared. Like, like that was the Vikings' day. The Vikings should have had a huge day. Yeah. And instead, it was a close game, and it shouldn't have been. That game so, was a great example. So they were they scored 23 points in the first half. Yep. They snagged a touchdown right out of the gate in the third quarter. It's funny, they're actually losing at halftime of that game. They were down 24-23. They scored right away. Vigil picked off a pass, right? That's right. It was a a defensive touchdown. Bad Kyler Murray pass. So I'm glad you brought this up. It's a perfect example. This is not to dump on Kirk or anything, but like people talk about that Cardinals game, okay? Dump on the the offense. The defense was bad in that game. The offense scored three points in the second half. Correct. Like it's this whole this whole narrative about look at all the close games that they lost. There were examples that shouldn't have been close. Yeah. The Detroit game. Kirk never should have had to lead a late drive. They should have they should have run the Lions out of that building. Yeah. Justin Jefferson caught seven first half passes and then we said, but he was taken away. It's the Detroit Lions. <laughs> Cleveland, the first drive. They look magnificent. The Vikings look great. After that, they couldn't move the ball. Yep. That's a Vikings yep. problem. That's not like the Browns defense was good, but that game should have been a 10 point win. Yep. And that Cardinals game too. It's like games aren't always going to flow perfectly for you. You're not going to take right. a lead and then defense holds. Like there's going to be games where you're going on the road. You're going against Kyler Murray. 
that team was loaded and they were playing their best football in the first, you know, 10 weeks of the season. Right. They're probably going to score 30 points. You know, like it would it be nice if the defense could be better and hold them to 21? Yes. Is that reality? No. Right. You still need to find a way. Well, and to you go toe to toe in that second half and win the game and you scored 3 points offensively. It, How can and, you unlock that, right? And that Osborne scripted play was magnificent. Yeah. Like that's the type of okay, that starts your day. It shouldn't end with, well, in the last two quarters we scored a field goal. And then your poor kicker misses, and it's like, Joseph cost you that entire game. Actually, the story of that game was much more than Greg Joseph. Yeah, well, that's an interesting one. And then the last thing here for, for now, Chad Graff has uh, the note on Irv Smith Jr. It doesn't sound like Irv Smith Jr. will do too much on the field this spring during some of the OTAs and minicamps as he works his way back from the uh, season-ending meniscus injury. O'Connell said, quote, we're going to be smart with Irv. There's no reason why he can't hit the ground running from a mental perspective this spring. But uh, but they're going to pump the brakes physically on him. I mean, he could be. It's again, it's kind of a hypothetical because of the knee injury, and right. he hasn't quite lived up to the potential yet in four years. But man, that dude can be a weapon. If oh, utilized. he's a wide receiver. Yep, he is. Uh, Absolutely, he's just he's an athletic freak, and he's just got to get healthy. Still dealing with with the recovery. I'm telling you, he was he. I believe he was the best offensive player I saw in training camp last summer mm. he was unbelievable and they were going to i mean they were i give them credit they had plans there um and god bless them it wasn't tyler conklin like conklin had a nice year but believe me he did not replace what i saw of irv smith and practices yeah irv smith is a wide receiver who happens to be listed as a tight end yeah so yeah, uh, that's 100 percent right boys we also have Two interesting overtime rule change proposals to touch on before the end of this episode, but let's touch on Judd's rock hard abs here first. Let's let's oh. let's touch on Judd's Adonis physique. Okay, no, keep no, your shirt. No, 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 you want to no, see it? You want to no, see him? No. Keep your shirt down. Okay, I won't. But I do want wanted to tell you about my friends from Livia Weight Control Centers, where I have lost. I've gone from approximately 240 pounds last September to 201 pounds last time I checked. That's right. And now you're saying, well, if Judd can do it, so can I. And you're exactly. Right about that. And have I got an offer for you? 25% off the program plus 35 meals for free. 25% off plus 35 meals for free. Livia.com, 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A. And now if you're outside the state and and watching the show, and we appreciate that greatly, and you're saying, but yeah, but Judd, they're only in your home state, only in Minnesota. What can I do? I'm going to tell you right now, virtual option exists. That's right. So so you can meet with your uh, nutritionist once a week virtually. You, you can have the snacks and food sent to you. And again, 35 meals for free, 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A-LIVIA.com, 25% off. Ladies and gentlemen, lose the weight for summer, feel great, your clothes fit. And again, if I can do it, you can do it. So join me. And speaking of summer, as we look ahead optimistically, I know we just got into spring here, but we're looking ahead into riding season. And uh, Dennis Kirk has you covered from all angles, 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, and they do free shipping on orders over $89. So whatever you ride, whether it's a Harley, Indian, Metro Cruiser, sport bike, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. They've been huge supporters of us from the beginning. We launched Score North three years ago. And uh, and and they just they've been along for the ride. <laughs> That's right. Oh boy, pun intended. 
supporting us. So if you like to ride, you can support them, support us, all in the same. They ship today. Ride more, wait less, DennisKirk.com. So a couple things Vikings So they they did uh, sign and re-sign a couple depth cornerbacks yesterday. So Ty Smith is coming back, and uh, Nate Hairston is being signed. So he's Nate Hairston's just kind of a backup swing guy. He's a cornerback who can also dabble in some safety. Special teams <clears throat> guy for sure, yeah. A little special teams. And uh, he's been with Denver the last season and a half or so with Ed Donatel. So just a familiar depth guy at cornerback. Now, my do guess, you guys have any takes on Nate Hairston? Uh, my guess is he might be – my guess is there's a good chance that he will be uh, Chris Boyd's replacement, somebody like that, right? Okay. Declan, what do you think about Nate Hairston? Oh, yeah, just great depth, you know, a uh, great locker room guy, you know, a guy who's going to be a great addition on and off I heard he's field. kind of a locker room cancer. I don't know. Oh, it's, really? It's more of a baseball name. That's <laughs> what Harrison? I think. Yeah. Jerry I think Her- Nathan Jerry, Harrison. Jerry Harrison? Jerry Harrison. Jerry Harrison. Yeah, yeah I think Harrison's more of a baseball name. He bats eighth and plays left field. Like, that is that, that very much <laughs> Well, he like can play. Player. He can play some shortstop and a pinch as well, Dex. And don't forget, a little third base as well. He can dabble. He can dabble. So, okay, overtime rule changes real quick. There's a lot of momentum for changing the NFL overtime rules, according to ESPN.com. Competition Committee Chairman Rich McKay said Friday, but it's unclear whether enough owners will agree on a specific proposal when they gather this week in Palm Beach. So uh, here are the two proposals. The Colts and the Eagles have proposed making it mandatory for each team to have an overtime possession before then moving to sudden death. So if you score a touchdown, it doesn't end the game. The other team would get the ball, and then you would go into sudden death after that. The Titans, meanwhile, proposed a tweak that would implement mandatory possession for each team unless the team that has the first possession scores a touchdown and converts a successful two-point attempt. You need 24 votes to change the rule. So would you guys keep overtime the way that it is? Would you mandate a possession for each team, then sudden death if they're still tied? Or would you go with this third proposal, which is, you can win the game if you score a touchdown and go for two and convert it. I feel like we've gotten to the point where whatever they go to, there's always going to be a complaint mm-hmm. if it doesn't work out perfectly. Yeah. I would leave it. Um I I did I like the fact that you can't just drive down now and kick a field goal and and win. But I feel like now if it's like because this is driven by the Buffalo-Kansas City game, right? Playoff game, mm-hmm. which was a magnificent game. And I know that that there was momentum to say, how can we keep this classic going and blah, blah, blah. I think it's fine right now because I think you're always going to have complaints. Are we have breaking news. The Vikings just made a big trade. From oh, Tom did they, did they, cha- they change overtime? <laughs> they changed it? Oh, From hilarious. Tom Pelissero, NFL owners approved a modified <laughs> overtime rule for postseason only. Okay, this is how they did it. This what also, timing? I believe, what they did in 2010. I think this started with the playoffs the next year and then okay. got implemented. Ensuring Amazing both teams timing. get a possession per source. Thank you, Tommy. So postseason only, both teams will get a possession. Okay, but, All right. but they'll then adopt. But then, So I think with, with the way that this goes, 2023, it'll probably go in to the regular season. So what I would have liked to have seen was not even one of those three options. I can't remember who floated this, but somebody floated the idea of leaving everything the same, Yeah. but but knowing before the game who gets the ball first in overtime. 
So if you go, if you stick with me here, Dex. Okay. So Bills and Chiefs are playing a football game, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Before the game, and I I don't remember who scored last, but let let's say let's say Bills Chiefs. And uh, before the game, you know that the Chiefs get the ball to start overtime if there isn't overtime. And you're Buffalo, and you're driving. You're down by a touchdown at the end of regulation. And you score, and now you're down by a one. Ooh, interesting. You are more likely now to go for two to end the game on the spot because you know that Kansas City gets the ball to start overtime. Who said this? I can't remember. That's actually, you know what? Okay. So everyone up yeah, front, strategic. Listen, everyone strategic. knows up front, if this like game that. goes to overtime, the Chiefs get the ball first. So I do what you that. will with that information. Yes. I sort of like that because it forces your hand strategically. Mm-hmm. So you I, can tie the game. Go ahead and tie yeah. the game with that field goal. But if you tie so, the game. I got a question, though. Why are we sweating? And, and I get it. But why are we continuing to sweat OT? When there is, there has been now, and I, I don't think it's being discussed this time around, but there has been for like two years a great idea to replace the onside kick, and we don't adopt it. That's another one. The too, fourth yeah. and yeah, fifteenth kick is dumb. But I mean, that's like slam dunk. More yes. exciting. I, I um, it gives you a chance. Like, why are we not addressing that one? Oh, it, it it makes it more fun too, right? It's kind of well, like yes. I mean, think about the NBA and how much more fun it is. But that, the onside okay, kick I, is dead, and I get why. So, like, why wouldn't you adopt this? It's perfect. Yeah. I mean, the NBA, you score a bucket, and now you're, now you're uh, whatever, you're, the other team's down by two with a second and a half. You call timeout, and you get to advance the ball. It makes it more fun. Well, it's not fair. Who cares? It's more fun. Right. A fourth and 15 would make it much more fun, even if the odds are the same as recovering an onside kick. You know, you could find that sort of that point. Maybe it's fourth and 18. Okay. It would just make it more fun, right? Oh, a ball is in the air. Oh my God, what's going to happen? But yeah. the onside kick is is essentially dead because it's considered too dangerous. Yeah. Okay, so let's find something that's not considered as dangerous to make the game because the the old onside kick was great fun. Yeah. It's just the guys got their heads knocked off. Yeah. So all right, well there okay. you go. Okay. New overtime rules in the postseason only. Both I'm teams are guaranteed you, yeah. a possession. I'm just curious if the coaches were allowed in this time or once again drunk on a golf course in Palm Beach, Florida, while the owners with their cigars passed this rule. And a huge credit to the NFL for now creating a week's worth of talking points in the middle of their offseason, <laughs> a month before their draft. Yeah. Uh. Well, baseball Major League regular baseball season starts, starts April 7th. Baseball wants to say hi. It is more interesting to talk about a, a, a slight tweak of the NFL overtime rules than, like, you know, baseball opening day in 2022. Hey, but. Purple Daily ain't complaining. <laughs> nope. All right, that's a wrap on today's episode of Purple Daily. Write that down, predictions, where we admit that we were wrong tomorrow. See you guys. Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment.